Welcome to the Doulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. It is Crossroads' 50th birthday, all right? Uh, 50 years is a big deal, by the way. You can ask any of the adult leaders in the back, um, and they will tell you that getting to 50 is, is huge. Uh, for some, they're, they're shocked that they made it that far. Uh, for others, they're shocked at how fast 50 came around. Uh, but either way, it is a big deal. Uh, in February, we got to celebrate my mom's 50th birthday. And, uh, and we went all out. We, we had like a family reunion in the Florida Keys. Um, we, we did like the whole condo on the beach, big family fishing trip, nice meals, the whole nine yards because 50 is a big deal. And today we get to celebrate 50 years here at Crossroads. Uh, statistics show that even before the pandemic, somewhere between 2,000 to 4,000 churches uh, shut down every single year. So for a church to make it to 50, like that, that's huge. And so I got curious this week. Um, I didn't want to look up churches, but I wanted to look up other kind of businesses, things that we would call successful and see, okay, how, how old are they really? You think about Microsoft, okay? Microsoft's kind of a big deal. They've been around 45 years, pretty good. Think about Apple, they've been around for 44 years. Amazon, everybody love Amazon? They've been around 26 years. You got Google, it's been around for 22 years, which I'm not sure how that works, that Amazon is older than Google, but that's what Google tells me. And you have Tesla, it's been around for, for 17 years. It's not easy to get to 15 years. And I'd be lying to you if I told you today that there was any reason that we are celebrating 50 years other than God's faithfulness. You see, God chose to use a handful of families 50 years ago to start what was then called Arlington Christian Church. Now, God didn't say, hey, families, here you go. Good luck. Peace out. You're all on your own now. No, God continued to work through those families and through those churches throughout the, the years to do things that, that really only he could do. You see, the church started in Miss Schaefer's school building. Eight, eight years later, the church broke ground on their own building, uh, which is Arlington Christian Church over off of Bowen Road. A few years later, they added a two-story addition. Uh, in 1992, God called Pastor Barry and his family uh, to be a part of the church, to lead the church there. Three years later, the church expanded into a family life center to accommodate for all of the new families coming to church. And God was doing something special through the faithful people of his church. Shortly after, the church built a three-story, like, authentic castle. If you've never driven by it, you got to tell your parents at some point, we got to go drive down Bone Road till we see this castle. It's still there today. It, it was the coolest children's building ever at the time. You jump forward to 2004, and Arlington Christian Church becomes Crossroads Christian Church out here on this property. And over the last 16 years, we've built the sports center, we've built the children's building, and we're months away from opening the brand new youth building. And we take this quick trip down memory lane to simply say that none of this was possible without God orchestrating all of it. You see, God has been faithful in allowing the ministry at Crossroads to thrive and to reach tons of people, and you and I are a part of that. You know, today as we celebrate 50 years, we celebrate changed lives. We celebrate restored relationships, and uh, today I want us to focus on two main things. I want us to focus on God's faithfulness 
and our response to it. Here's the first thing we know is that God is faithful to provide. Over and over, we see God's provision in the Bible. You look at 1 Kings 19, when God provided a cake and a jar of water for Elijah, right? We studied this at Beach Week last year, that that God provided for Elijah when he was in the most desperate of times. He was ready to give up and he was ready to give in, but God gave him a, a small but tasty reminder that he's there with him. You look at Matthew 14, Jesus has a crowd of people following him, eager to to hear him speak and learn from him, but also really wanting him to to heal their their sick among them. Little did they know that wouldn't be the only miracle that they saw. You see, there was a boy there with, with five loaves and with two fish, and the Lord used that small meal to feed over 5,000 people, something only God could do. Deuteronomy chapter two, verse seven, talks about how God provided for the Israelites when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The verse ends like this. It says, these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. You see, one of the most incredible things about our church is the way that God has continued to faithfully provide. From Mrs. Schaefer's school building to our incredible campus today, God has brought us a long way. The really neat thing is the fact that everything you see today is all paid for. Because of our leadership and their ability to, to their, their choice to honor God in the way that they do everything, including their finances, everything we have today, including the youth building, including the incredible announcements that Pastor Barry has today, will all be paid for with cash. It's pretty sweet. But the reality is today that, that finances aren't the only need you and I have. You see, each one of us in here has an issue called sin, right? The Bible's clear. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, so God provided for us in a way that we couldn't provide for ourselves. He offered his son Jesus to, to be our atoning sacrifice, to take our place on the cross, to reconcile our relationship with him. And he provided a way for, for every single person so they choose to, to be a part of a relationship with him. I think that's pretty incredible. I think that should also kind of change the way we look at certain verses, like, like Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23, where, where Jeremiah writes, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, every day we get to be reminded of God's love, God's mercy, and God's faithfulness to us. Not only is God faithful to provide, the second thing is God is faithful to protect. When I think of protection, I think of the book of Daniel, right? Daniel chapter one, uh, you have Daniel vowing to not defile himself and not to eat the king's food and drink of the king's wine. Instead, he was gonna just stick to the vegetables and water. Now, those close to, to Daniel were like, hey, Daniel, you probably shouldn't do that. The king's gonna notice. Daniel said, I can't eat the king's food Just trust me in this. I know that this is what God would want me to do. And so Daniel stuck to to vegetables and to water. Shout out to him. Um, And he did it. And and not one time did the king look and go, hey, there's something that something's not right with him. No, God protected him throughout that. Daniel chapter three, 
In Daniel chapter three, three, it's brought to the king's attention that Daniel's three friends aren't worshiping and praying to the golden image and the false, false god that King Nebuchadnezzar has made. And so the king was mad, like, like super mad, decided that Daniel's friends would be sentenced to the fiery furnace. Not only that, the king decided to heat up that furnace seven times hotter than usual to throw these guys in there crazy part of the story, the two guys that were throwing Daniel's three friends in there ended up burning just from throwing his friends in there. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fiery furnace. And you know what happened when the king walked and could see into there? The king says, hey, I thought we only threw three guys in there. And the king's guys were like, yeah, we did. And the king said that now there are four men walking around in the fire. He says the appearance, the king himself said, the appearance of the fourth is is like the son of the gods. You see, God protected these three guys, leaving them without a hair on their head or a piece of their cloak singed in the fire. Later on in Daniel, you go to chapter six, and, and there's this decree signed that says that anybody who prays to any god or man other than King Darius should be cast into the lion's den. Now, there were some wicked people around who didn't like Daniel, but didn't have really anything to to pin on him. So they tricked King Darius into signing this decree, saw Daniel going and faithfully praying to to the Lord, and said, "Hey, hey, King Darius, look what Daniel's doing. Darius actually liked Daniel, so he had a hard time with it, but he said, I guess I have to send Daniel into the pit with the lion's den. Really cool part of this story is that King Darius actually spent that whole night without sleeping and was fasting and praying throughout the night, hoping that Daniel, that that the God that Daniel prayed to would protect him. Next morning comes around, and and God did what only God could do. And he shut the mouth of the lions and, and protected Daniel throughout that night. You know, Daniel faced some crazy adversity, some crazy things, and God protected him throughout it. What about Jonah? You think of a guy like Jonah, right? When we meet Jonah, he is running away from his calling, running away from what God is wanting him to do and going to Nineveh. So he got on a boat. He headed in the opposite direction. That boat ran into a storm. And Jonah said, hey, guys, this is probably my fault. God's wanting me to go this way, but I'm trying to run. Let me just jump off this boat and protect you guys. Jonah goes to to jump off the boat. and, And instead of ending his life, God chose to protect Jonah by having a huge fish swallow him, swimming him to shore three days later, throwing him up on the land. And Jonah realized that God had rescued and protected him and decided that he needed to obey and go to Nineveh. You think about Moses. God protected him as he floated down the crocodile-infested waters of the Nile River in a basket as a baby, only to be found by the princess and raised in the palace. And you think about crossroads. The Bible talks about there being wolves in sheep's clothing coming to destroy and devour. And over the years, people have come and people have gone, but God has always led us back stronger than ever before. You see, God has been faithful to protect our church as ministry has continued over the last 50 years. And I wholeheartedly believe that the next 50 years are gonna be greater than the last. See, I know that for a 12 to 18-year-old in here, uh, it might be hard to reflect on God's faithfulness in your life. I know that, that it's hard to see the ways that God has protected you, the ways that God has provided for you. 
I'm not too far removed from sitting in those very seats and thinking those same thoughts. But I can say that as you get older, you have the privilege to look back and see all the ways that God has come through in your life. See, I'm sure that if you asked an older or wiser adult in here, they'd have many stories. But let this 29-year-old give you just one story, one example. Check out this picture. There we go. Look at that. That is an old picture. This picture is from 2008. Uh, Here you have a 16-year-old football player. You have a 16-year-old drummer and a young youth pastor. Little did we know how God was going to use each one of us. You see, God used my love for football to introduce me to DJ Peters, who played football with me at Timberview. And DJ invited me into this youth group to come with him one Wednesday night. God used this little drummer boy to, uh, to, to lead, he's a whole lot more than a little drummer boy, to go and to, to lead um, in, in countless ministry opportunities, going to camps, doing incredible Easter services here, and now we get to have him as one of the youth pastors here at Crossroads. And God used that once young youth pastor there in the red shirt to, to minister to me in a week in Mexico. And it was through that week and through the, the words that Matt shared with me that, that eventually I gave my life to Christ there. The crazy thing is now 12 years later, these are two of my closest friends and the three of us have the privilege to work together and lead this youth ministry together. You know, last week I told you guys that, that my career path changed multiple times just in my senior year of high school, but I would have never guessed how God would have made it all turn out. You see, in so many different ways, God provided and God protected for me along the way. And now you're sitting in those seats. And not one of us knows what the next 12 years or the next 50 years is going to look like. The reality is God will use many of you in ways that you have never expected, that you would have never planned out on your own. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, if we all, use, if we all knew what God might do in our lives, we might look a lot more like Jonah and a lot less like Daniel. We might try to run in fear instead of standing strong in the face of adversity. If I knew that that God would have me preaching on this stage to a room full of people, I probably wouldn't have signed up for this. But this is the way that God has chosen to use me and to challenge me in ways that I would have never planned for myself. So we know that God is faithful. We've seen it firsthand in many different ways here at Crossroads, but what is our response to that faithfulness? See, I think there's four things we're called to do. The first one is to engage. God has given each one of us ample opportunity to engage in the ministry here right in front of us. More than opportunities, he has equipped each one of us in unique and different ways. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the church as this body, right? And the body has many different body parts or different members, and each body part has their specific purpose to help the body as a whole succeed. And when each part is doing their part, the church looks pretty special. But when we don't all do our part, although the body might be able to function, it doesn't thrive like it should. So what does engaging look like for us? I believe it looks like serving. Like like each one of us can find a way to serve. Like I work here, right? I'm a pastor here, but I still try to find ways outside of my job to serve. And I think each one of us can do that. 
even as a junior high or high schooler. You can choose to help clean and sanitize. You, you can choose to, to go work with the babies or with the children's ministry. You can even choose to, to be somebody in this room every Sunday that's going to help new people connect. You know, the crazy thing is today we have a ton of new people. And I just want to welcome all of you new people. Thank you for being here. But put it on you to be the one to help some, to help some new person to feel like they belong here. Find a way to serve. The second way is we can engage in our connect group. See, God has provided access to real relationships to each one of us. And I know we live in a world that lacks real relationships, but we all have the opportunity to connect in our connect groups. So you might be like most of us and feel like, man, this another season of online connect groups, this is getting difficult. Man, I, I don't like it this way. I mean, you can choose to have the perspective of, I'm gonna do everything I can to make this connect group the best that it can be. The third way we do this is we engage in service each week. And I know it is easy to get distracted. Even as I'm sitting here, standing here right now, I know that some of you are sitting there and the temptation is real to be on your phone, to talk to the person next to you. I get that. I was once a high schooler in this room. And I'm not even mad at you. Like, like, like trust me, that doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But I will say, if you're being a distraction to somebody else, or you're doing it during worship, that's where I have a problem. You see, we have a group of teenagers who choose to get up here and lead us in worship every single week. And I believe they deserve the respect, but more than that, I believe our God deserves our best when we praise him and we sing worship songs to him. God is faithful. He's been faithful to provide. He's been faithful to protect. And we get to respond by engaging in the ministry here. The second thing we do is we evangelize. God has given us a message that is different from the rest of the world, but the rest of the world needs to hear it. And not only does that happen when we tell people, it happens when we live out our lives. In Matthew chapter 28, we get the call to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe the things I've commanded you. And Jesus says, behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You know, each one of us has been called to evangelize. And the beauty of this is that when I look around this room, we are all so different. We come from different schools. We have different hobbies. We're in different clubs. We have different groups of friends. We have different opportunities to share our faith in different ways to a ton of different people. See, we have a huge building that we're building soon, right? There's room for, for hundreds, if not thousands of teenagers to, to go crazy and, and have incredible uh, worship services in that room. But we've got to all do our part in filling that building. We've got to all use the opportunities we have to help teenagers in the future get to experience Jesus the same way we get to right now. Like, like don't get me wrong, I really like you guys who are in this room right now. You're welcome. But I would love to meet some of the, the thousands of teenagers that we have that are so close to us. And honestly, you guys can, can reach them so much better than any of us 30 plus 29 year olds uh, in this room. You have so much more opportunity to go and to evangelize, to, to bring them with you. 
And I promise you, God will be faithful to provide. If you take up this challenge to go and to be an evangelist, I promise you God will bring people in your life that need to know about him. The reality is a lot of you in this room at one point was that person for somebody. You were that person that somebody's been praying about and been waiting for the right opportunity to invite them to, to share their faith with them. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to say, I'm gonna pick a couple of friends that, that don't know Jesus, that, that don't go to church anywhere, and I'm gonna pray for them and pray for God to open up an opportunity for me to share my faith and to invite them here to Crossroads. Our third response to God's faithfulness is to enjoy. See, this is the fun part. Because when you do the other parts, this part comes easy. You know, one of the coolest things we get to, to enjoy here is when somebody's life is changed. Like for the past 50 years, we've celebrated changed lives over and over. Many of you, like me, gave your life to Jesus here at Crossroads. And, and for me, seeing a teenager or seeing a kid give their life to Jesus, man, there, there's nothing quite like it. I feel like sometimes we, we, we miss the, the joy of following Jesus. I think sometimes we get distracted by, man, I have to follow all these rules, and we miss the, the fact that we get to enjoy what Jesus is doing and what he's allowing us to do as a part of, of his ministry. And so I want to challenge you, if that's you today, man, go back. Find the joy that you started with when you started your relationship with Jesus. See, one place that I find true joy is, is when I, I think back to the mission trips that we've had. You know, when, when, you're, when you're on a mission trip, it kind of sounds a little counterintuitive that, like, that's what you would enjoy. But you go and you work all day and you go to bed tired and you wake up still tired and your hands are sore and, and all of that. But you're away from the distractions. You're surrounded by a group of people all there for the same purpose, to serve the people and to serve Jesus doing that. There's just something different when you have your mind fully fixed on, on man, we are here to serve. It allows you to enjoy things that, that the reality is when you're here, when you're at home, it's like, eh, I don't really enjoy digging holes and digging trenches and laying brick and all those fun things. But, but you find a way to enjoy it there. Now it's 2020, the year of the pandemic. Um, you haven't been on a mission trip in months. Everything around you seems to be different, constantly changing. But I think that we have to have the mindset of Paul, who challenges us to, to choose joy. In Romans 15, he says that, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In a year that can seem kind of short on hope, I think that, that we can choose to enjoy what God is doing around us rather than focusing on what we feel like he might not be doing. You see, Paul lived a life of being beaten and arrested. Like, like, it was almost clockwork. Every city he would go into, he'd find some people that didn't like him. They'd beat him. He'd get arrested. But through, through all of it, Paul still wrote these words in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He didn't say, hey, rejoice when things are going great. Hey, rejoice when, when things are, are going your way. No, he said rejoice in the Lord always. And if Paul can rejoice in prison or recovering from another beating, man, I think that we can enjoy what God is doing instead of focusing on what we feel like isn't happening 
around us. The fourth and final thing we, we, we need to do in response to God's faithfulness is to exalt. And I know, exalt is not a word that like you probably use in your daily vocabulary. Me neither. It's crazy. One of the first times I ever heard this word exalt was when uh, somebody told me the, the old mission statement of the church. I'm going to read it to you so that I don't mess it up. It says, Crossroads Christian Church exists to exalt the Savior, evan- evangelize the sinner, encourage, equip, and empower the saints to impact the world before Jesus returns. Exalt is a big deal. Nowadays, we have a more simplified mission statement, and it's to connect people to God and one another. See, that's the whole purpose of our ministry, right? What we do isn't, isn't to, to bring all the focus to whoever's preaching or whoever's leading worship or how great we are. No, we exist to bring people to Jesus. You know, the, the Webster definition for the word exalt means to, to raise in rank or power or character. The second definition is to elevate by praise. And I would tell you, if Jesus is anywhere but number one in your life, I think it's time he raised in the ranks. I think it's time you decide to, to put him first, to, to bring God the glory in a way that, that, that he is the only thing that matters. And the truth be told, I know that we feel like there's so many things that need our attention and that, that are grasping for that number one spot. But when you have Jesus in his proper place, the rest of it just finds a way to, to kind of figure itself out. You see, God has been faithful from the beginning to provide and protect. He's done it for our church for the last 50 years, but more than that, he's done it for the world since the beginning of time. He was faithful then, and he's faithful now. Hebrews 10, 23 says it like this. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering, for he who... who for he who promised is faithful. And so I'd ask you today, where is your hope at? If your hope is found in anything but Jesus, it's gonna be hard to to do the things that that we talked about, to engage, to evangelize, to to enjoy that relationship with Jesus, to, to exalt him. But if your hope is in Jesus, and those are natural responses to what he's doing in your life. You know, I told you last week, and I'll say it again today, I believe that the best days of this church are in front of us. I believe that the best days of this youth ministry are in front of us. But I also believe that God is wanting to use each one of us to bring about those best days. But that choice is yours. You know, 10 years from now, we're gonna look back and we're gonna reflect on all God has done. We're gonna have nine and a half years in the youth building who knows all the, anything else that might be changing and, and getting better. And, and we're going to be able to look back at all that God has done. We're going to look back at the next generation of leaders that have been raised up. And to be honest, I'm excited for that. But in the meantime, it's our job to be faithful today to the one that has been faithful since the beginning. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Do Loss Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.